You're listening to the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back to Municipal Month on the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I am your host, and I am pleased and honored to have our guest on the show today. Not only is she the first elected official from the province of Quebec to sit down with us to talk about herself, but also her uh, her city and her borough, but she is, well, kind of a great person for even accepting the offer to come on the show. So with that, I want to welcome onto the show, and I'm going to get this right here. I've written it down about four times to make sure I get your proper title here. Okay, Borough Councillor for Verdun, I hopefully pronounced that right here, and which is in the city of Montreal, Councillor Kyla Monroe. Councillor Monroe, thank you so much for doing this. This is an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Likewise, honor and pleasure to be here. So before we get started, I've started my interviews off with every single politician, political candidate, former politicians the same way. You're no exception. Councillor Monroe, where did your sense of duty to serve come from? I believe it came from a very young age, being in a family that had a lot of cultural differences. And so I've always seen myself as a relatively outgoing person that loved to pull people together. So I think that's where it really came from. And I, I, that follows me throughout my life, essentially. In 2021, you decided to put your name forward for borough councillor. Now, before I ask this question, I've got to ask the million dollar question for myself and for my listeners and uh, my viewers, because Montreal is the only city that I can tell in Canada that has boroughs. What is a borough councillor for my listeners and my viewers? It's essentially a very local pendant to a city councillor. So the city um, has its own council in, in Montreal and boroughs also have their councils. So if you're a borough council, you tend to be a little more local and uh, you're really in charge of everything that's going on in your district. So you'll work with your city councillor to make sure you're aware of what's happening at City Hall in Montreal. And you can also have commissions, which, which I have the honor of presiding one, which looks into uh, citywide topics. But as a borough councillor, I'd say it's, it's a really locally inclined role. And what made you want to put your name forward for borough councillor for, and I, I apologize again if I pronounce this wrong, but Des Marches Crawford? Demarchet Crawford. Okay. It, what, what made you want to put your name forward for a borough councillor in that area? Well, I'm originally, I'm born and raised in Verdun, and politics has always been an interest. And I'd say it's a calling. I was working in a paramunicipal in an organization that was funded by the city. And I really enjoyed my past work, but I could tell I wanted to do more and more on a bigger scope. So when I kind of had the, the call um, on, on Cabinet's part as well, there might be an interest for, for me to run. I was really honored and it was a, an opportunity I couldn't pass on. So, so, um, so people approached you to run. Yes, I, 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 got, I got noticed across different projects that I was running. There was a lot of, in, like, I would say interference or, or a lot of collaboration with the, with the officials. So uh, word got out and it was kind of a, a match, I would say. And was it an easy yes for yourself? Because 
getting into elected official uh, politics, especially in 2021, 2022, we see the rise of online hate. We see the rise of the anti-establishment, anti-politician movement we are seeing across this country. Was it an easy yes, or did you have to go back and forth? Or like you said, you always had that higher calling a little bit the calling but making the plunge like deciding to run in this era of online hate as you put it and um in french i, I hope i have the right word cynicism yep like you know people who are increasingly cynic and and you can understand it with transparency and and realizing everything that's going on for for, for centuries and how institutions are built you know i completely understand it and it, it's it's really something to think about you have to go in there wanting to make changes and knowing that these are going to happen progressively. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of thinking on my part, but I, I couldn't, again, I, I couldn't resist. I want to go back to that election night that you got the green check mark or the blue star beside your name that you were officially the borough councillor elect for your area. What was that feeling like? What was that moment like when you got the word that you were now an elected official in the city of Montreal? It's almost indescribable, I would say, because it's just I, this feeling of, um, of, of being so proud that I, I've got chosen. And during the campaign, you talk and, and you learn as well, and you listen to the preoccupations. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with it too, because it's like, well, I've been chosen now and I must deliver. So there's a huge adrenaline rush and put it that way. And, but the adrenaline rush must wane off very quickly or stop really quickly because then you wake up the next morning and you must realize to yourself, I'm now going to be dictating the changes that are going to be affecting my neighbors, my family, my, my local community. How much of a weight and responsibility was it for yourself when that adrenaline wore off? And was there ever a moment within this first year since we're coming up to it that you went, oh, what have I gotten myself into? Or did you always try to take that higher road to say, okay, what I do and how I vote on issues are going to dictate how my neighbors are affected and their tax dollars are spent? It's a, it's a mix of both, you know, really trying to keep in mind that higher purpose and, but, and sometimes it just feels very difficult and, and I'm not going to lie about that. Like that's a couple of times I was like, wow, this is tough. Nothing is as simple as it seems. And when you go into issues and you, you have a vote, it's a binary, but there's a hundred different things that you want to consider. And sometimes you don't have that opportunity. It's just yes or no, does this pass or doesn't it? So it's a, it's a lot of weighing decisions. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Because I can imagine a very simple gray yes or no, or black and white uh, yes or no answer. In politics, in, in everyday life, you can never get a black and white answer, but in politics, you have to kind of become that yes and no uh, sort of uh, staple to say, okay, it's yes or it's no. How have you been able to overcome that? That I, I don't want to say challenge or diversity, but more of a thinking, because you now have to think in linear yes and no answers and no longer think of, okay, if we do it this way, what are the ramifications? And it's more of a, if we, we have to do it this way or we can't do it this way, one or the other. 
Yeah, exactly. It really resonates. Thinking ahead and thinking of what the repercussions of this, this decision, making a decision tree, and also staying true to yourself. I think that's one of the big best tips that I was given. Just remember who you are and why you're here. And just going back to that why in every decision, even if it's a yes or no, it becomes clear. What's been the biggest learning curve for yourself over the last year? The, the uh, machine of administration, as I like to put it, like the fact that there's a lot of people working at this at the borough and a lot of people working at the city and everyone has their specific role. And I, I myself, is, as, a, as a counselor, I'm also part of that whole, whole uh, machine organization. And it, I've always had a big respect for organizations and a, a very... I'd say like progressive way of thinking that we're a team and everyone has an important part of, of, of the operation, but the hierarchy is quite real. <laughs> and I would like to break it down and I would like to, to get into all the different parts and know all the employees in my bro and I try to do it. But the fact is that's the biggest learning curve for me, like understanding what I can do and who I can talk to and, and how to navigate through the administration. How, and how have you been able to overcome that? Because uh, you're not the first person to tell me that exact statement. The, uh, the hierarchy of a municipal government is a lot different compared to provincial or even federal politics. Because in uh, municipal politics, you really have one employee while you the city and the boroughs have multiple employees. You can only direct the CAO or the CEO of your borough, of your city, of your town to do what you, the borough or the city wants. So how have you been able to learn and customize yourself to that hierarchy within the borough and the, within the city of Montreal over the last year? Asking questions, like just not being afraid of saying, I, I would like to get to this result. I would like to meet these people that work in the borough. I'd like to best understand an issue and always going about it in the way of trying to understand it before emitting an opinion. Because I think it's, it's 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 human. We're all like, this doesn't make sense to me, and I want to be critical about it. But the other part of my brain goes, no, wait, there are good reasons for this, and why does it make sense to have a hierarchy, and why are we so compliant to different rules and regulations? So that's really what helps me personally, always trying to rationalize and going, well, maybe this there are good reasons for this, but we can still tweak it. And how do we go among, among tweaking and changing the organizational culture in the long run? So like breaking it down. <laughs> and, and do you find so that people are willing to break it down with you? Because uh, I, 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 I'm a person who always likes asking questions, hence why I have this show. But I can imagine when you get elected, people expect you to know everything. Because we're electing you to be a borough councillor. We're electing you to be a councillor. I can imagine people looked at you and said, why don't you have all the answers? And you have to ask all the questions that people are expecting you to already know. So in your first year, was it challenging to ask questions because people who had just elected you or people who did not vote for you want answers from you? And I can imagine not having the answers is probably challenging in some sense, isn't it? It gives deep imposter syndrome all in all. <laughs> I love it, counselor. <laughs> but 
I, I, it, it's great that we're surrounded by different leadership models. Like we're going away from the traditional, I know it all. I'm a very like authority like figure into more of being an open and collaborative leader. And that's where I try to get rid of my own imposter syndrome going like, you actually are not supposed to be an encyclopedia about urbanism on day one try and like work with people and like keep an open mind and say when you don't understand something. And then if, if someone judges you for that, well, that, that'll be that. <laughs> That's not the point. The point earlier, is to learn and get better. Earlier on in the episode, in the interview, in the first five seconds of the interview, you, you said the borough counselors are the the is like the really the the local counselors those are the front line of council i i, I should have asked this follow-up question before i ask this question so i'm going to ask it now what does the boroughs look after are they looking after roads garbage are they looking after water services or because in alberta that's what a city does so in montreal is there a difference between what you would be looking after in the city compared to what you're looking after in a borough Yes, in a way, the, it's a matrix organization. So we collaborate on a lot of different subjects, but a lot of, uh, of the day-to-day -day operations are borough-centered. So as you put it, like garbage and, and the travaux public, as we call it, like roadworks, yep. we, we manage that at, at the borough. And then at the city, we, we manage, um, I'd say like, again, wider issues, like housing is, is very special specialized at the city. We have our own inspectors that work with city inspectors, and, and that's how kind of the matrix organization of it all. The reason I ask that question is because here in Alberta and across the, the country, as I've been doing the, these interviews with municipal councillors, I'm hearing the same thing over and over again. The electorate is educated on issues but they're not educated on what level of government looks after what level of issue. So in Montreal, when you where you have a borough, a city, a provincial government, and then a federal government, are you finding people understanding that we look after the day-to-day -day operations, the city looks after this operations, the provincial government looks after this, or are you getting confusion? Because, I, and I, I mean this with respect to the people of Canada and people of, across this country, but we aren't that informed on what level of government is looking after what issue in some sense. So in Montreal, in the uh, borough of Verdun, are they understanding that as a borough councillor, I come to you for X issue, Y issue, and then if I if there's an issue city related, I go to my city councillor then? You're absolutely right, I'd say. Like in, in all respect for constituents, it's, it's not easy to navigate through the, the different uh, layers. And that's why from borough to city, we, we really just like to say city. So it's 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 not something that we're gonna necessarily um, explain in detail. You know, now you're going to a city question okay. or a city service. We're gonna try and address it all and do the inner work in our borough to get the answers from from a city level. Um, but as you say, for for schools, for example, or yeah, the he, which is a ch early children care. You know, I get a lot of questions and I often have to say, as much as this is interesting and we'll advocate for it, I do have to call a provincial deputy or even the federal on other topics. So that's and continuing work. And I think it goes into, you know, our job, yours and mine as, as, as sources of information and just 
making sure people are aware because it's not it's not their, their full-time job. So if they have a concern, as a borough councillor especially, I'll take it up to the right uh, to the right elected official. Do you get confused sometimes? Because I can imagine, you, as you just said earlier on, you're not supposed to be a source of information and you're supposed to learn on the job. Have you been confused from time to time of what issue is supposed to go to what level of government? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Google. Google is your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, counselor. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, I want to turn to some personal questions here. And I mean personal in the grand scheme, not like, oh, what did you do last Thursday? But I want to know, as, the, as a counselor, you are the frontline politics. So you go to your grocery store, people are going to know who you are. If you go out to dinner, people might know who you are. How do you balance work and life as a counselor in a in your city, in your borough right now? Because I can imagine you want some downtime as well, but as an elected official, you're always on. You have to be always on because your residents, your constituents are going to come to you whenever they want. So how do you balance that work-life persona? It, it, that's totally true, and it's something I've, I've been learning to do in the last year. I don't have a very long beard like my colleague Sterling. So Sterling Downey, you can recognize him from, from afar, um, and, and he, he also loves to be always on, and he, he's given me a great example of a counselor that's just so welcoming all the time and ready to talk. Um, I'm not naturally so much like that. Like, I really like to have my downtime and going running, for example, like I would love to just go running out and about. And, and now I'm just a little more conscious of, of people who are there and seeing me work out and are they recognizing me and is it the proper attire for, for a counselor if I'm in jogging pants and all of that comes to mind. Um, so I'm still learning to navigate it properly, but I think uh, something switched in my mind at some point where I'm just like, this has to be all in, you know, as much as you want to keep your professional and your personal life separate. And this is something that I've done very much so in previous jobs. This is not that type of job. Like I, I have to be in a mindset where I'm, I'm just a part of this community at 110%. And I remember someone asking my age and I was like surprised, like, why would you want to know my age? And, and in business, in the business world, I could have just shoved it off and said, no, I'm here to do the job. But it, it, it's important for folks because they want to know how to relate to you and which topics are, are important. And you, we, we should be proud to be at a certain age, whatever it is. So all of that is very confronting. But Do your constituents and do your, the people of your community acknowledge that you do have a personal life as well? Because I, I've talked to many municipal councillors and they say that Sometimes they'll say, maybe not today. Here's my business card. Call me tomorrow. Email my office and we'll set up a time we can meet. I'm sitting down with my family right now to have a dinner and I would love to do that. And I, I understand that you, your issue is important, but I want to sit down with my family. Are your constituents and are your community members acknowledge, do they acknowledge that, you know what, you, you do have the right from time to time to have a personal life? 
entirely just last week I was stopped and um, I had to take a bus and I was like I'm my bus is going to leave and the person was very thankful that I actually took the few minutes and had to run to get my bus so everyone is is understanding that we have a life for uh, a person a part entière, you know a person entire an entire human being and we have family and we have obligations so that that resonates that works well on the flip side, we have seen, and you you have been elected in the year of the social media boom of online hate and online negativity. Um, as a counselor, as an elected official, do you do you pay attention to what is said online, or do you try to tune it out? Because, I, and I, I should ask this question before you answer that question: Is have you been on the receiving end of online hate as an elected official? Not so much yet, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, there is a lot of critics, um, and, and it's not easy to read online. People are very vocal, and it's 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 normal to, to at first to get defensive, I think, and feel like we're being attacked. But then I'm, I, I just try to take a few steps back and going like, this is a signal. We need to work more on this part of, of, of our borough, you know, this district really needs more attention or, you know, always changing mindsets and it's not easy, but I've so far, I think one of the things that bothered me was um, a lot around um, the topics that I hold dear to heart and that I feel like aren't understood, but that's, again, it's work, it's feedback which we're going to be talking in the next segment, but I want to finalize this segment with this question. You, you mentioned it briefly there. Every constituent, every resident of your borough believes their issue is the most important issue, believes yeah. that their pothole should be fixed, believes that their sidewalk should be fixed, believes that their water should be lowered. But as a counselor, you have to look at the borough as a whole. And while you have friends and family in your community, you can't play favorites. You have to look at the borough as a whole. I, have you become good at saying, not today, maybe next year we'll look at your issue, but we have to fix this issue first because this is a more pressing issue. How have you been able to balance the needs of your borough against the needs of the one or two that come to you and ask for their issue to be fixed? Excellent question. And I have to say, I've been a little inclined to be um, very direct and very systematic in my approach. And I, I think what's most important also when you go to see your counselor is to feel like you've been listened to. So maybe, you know, my type being very like mathematical or or, or by the book is to be like, you know, according to the strategic planning, we're going to get to that in 2024. <laughs> and so personally, I have to change that approach a bit. <laughs> Do people understand that though? Because you and I, we can, you and I understand what a strategic plan is. A, a average resident, and I, I say this with respect to the people of Canada and Quebec and Montreal and even Calgary, they don't care about a strategic plan. They're looking at what's best for them and they want their sidewalks fixed. So while you can say it's the strategic plan says 2024, that might not impress too many people when they want their, their issue fixed today. As they should, as they should. Like I, I'm, I'm laughing at myself right now going like, <laughs> 
I'm, I have to I have to calm down my inner nerd or something like that and and really just understand where this person is coming from and and asking questions and being you know a good ear um and the rest the rest will follow and I think sometimes now instead of saying like like 2024 according to this and that and this policy and this politics I, I really use it as an as a, a, a informational point into my like internal data system because I have to work that way that's the way my brain works <laughs> so I I mean I thank them and I, I put down their name and I'm like if ever I hear from this or, or if ever this comes to fruition before that date or what I'm telling you all in all without calling all the policy numbers as you put it yeah um we'll, we'll chat and let's let's talk about it and let's let's have a phone call how much does communication come into play in your job? Because I can imagine communication is one of the key things that a counselor has to do, whether it be through online, through television, through radio, through brochures, through mail drops. How much of a priority is communications for you as a counselor? It's a, it's a high priority. I think, again, just in everyone is so different and this job is atypical. So I always just go back to my own recipe. And what I realize is I love to talk. I love to communicate. I have to work on, you know, my intent and my approach as, as we put it. That's, that's personally what's most important for me because communicating is just a candy. It's like, it's what I love. It's my, it's my drug. I, I love to talk about it. Um, and, and when I go back to content communication as well within our own administration, that's something that, that I'm learning to navigate. So that's my biggest learning curve. But I, I'm just I'm blessed to be um, comfortable in, in French and English and communicating it as an outgoing person. So that's it's so important. And I'm really thrilled to have that skill because the rest follows in a way like it's important to be outgoing yeah. in, in this in this type of job. Well, hello. This is your friendly host of the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I have some big news for you. I am pleased to announce that our show has partnered with Strategic Steps Incorporated to launch a brand new show on October 19th. The Political Trenches, Local Government at Work is a new show with a focus on local governments. Each episode, we will discuss the biggest stories from local governments and we will have a roundtable discussion on issues facing local governments today. Follow the news show by searching The Political Trenches on all social media platforms. We are looking forward to discussing local governments and heading into The Political Trenches. I want to turn to our second segment now. And the second segment, I'm going to preface this segment by saying this. Please note that this conversation is between the borough councillor and myself. This is not a motion at council. This is not a direction of council. This is her opinion. I say that because we've had a few people already send in comments saying this is not on the topic of agenda on council. No, this is her opinion. This is just a conversation between two of us. So with that said, I'm going to ask the question that I've asked every single municipal councilor and mayor on this show, and you're no exception. What is the biggest issue, in your opinion, facing your borough today? Social transformation. What do you mean by that? It affects the price of living. And that's into housing, into transportation, into uh, 
everything that has even to do with with habits that we have day to day and obviously climate change all of that you know in in my bro i think comes to a pinnacle in terms of demographics and and social change and uh, mobility in a way like upward mobility and it's 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 really an interesting i mean it's my bro born and raised but i think i think we have we have a lot to work on in that sense of remaining inclusive for for my fellow Verdunners that were there when I was born in Verdun um, and now are having trouble to, to stay in, in, in the borough, to stay in, in, our, in our neighborhoods. So the, the, the automatic follow-up question to that is, what are we doing? What is the borough doing to help keep people in Verdun but also help attract people to the community because um, I can imagine it is a task that is not going to be fixed overnight. It is not going to be fixed by this time next year. This is going to be an ongoing issue. So what is the, what steps are the, is the borough council doing and yourself in particular doing to help address that issue? We've passed motions on housing and we're protecting um, a lot of, in, in a lot of different ways, in, in everything that's in our jurisdiction, we're working on housing. I, myself, it's a topic that I'm very passionate about. And I think in, it also, when we're talking about developments in housing, it also comes into mind of protecting nature and parks and keeping those areas green and keeping the quality of life despite the need, despite the housing crisis and the need to have development, it's, it's this balance. So I think we're a very good team because all of us have different um, backgrounds and different interests. And whether it's my colleague who looks into um, the, the snow plowing or another one who looks into bike paths and mobility, all of it interrelates into, into this transformation that we're seeing the borough undertake and also the city is undertaking that same kind of transformation. How much of a weight does the inflation issue that we're seeing across Canada impact your decision-making at council in the the borough level right now? Because I can imagine while we're trying to tackle issues of national importance and local importance to your community, you have to look at the cost of living that's going through the roof right now and say, okay, while we want to try and fix things, we now have to pick and choose what our first priorities are until we see the end of this tunnel that is called inflation. So for you, how have you been able to balance the needs of your community against the rising cost of labor, of infrastructure projects and I can imagine that's challenging it is and we've again I, I look to my team and we're 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 really all sensitive to the weight and the cost of living uh, a lot of us are are actually in different situations as well that helps that we're 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 diverse and we're not just one you know I would say demographic we're, we're all different and that also gives us a, a complementary vision um, so we when we raised t- 
taxes or when, when, when we looked at local taxes, even if it wasn't much, and even if the, the budget of the borough was in deficit, it was so important for us to find the right balance and not increase the burden. And we, and, and I especially am trying to change my mindset to um, uh, voluntary simplicity of like what, what, what is actually needed you know, once we would have put in, for example, these slides at the pool, or once we would have looked at fancy different lights, and is it that necessary in, in the context? And at times I'm like, wow, I really came into politics at the moment <laughs> in time where we needed to crunch and take out all the bells and whistles. But, you know, again, working on myself as much as working on uh, like borough and work, I'm like, this is this is exciting in a way, because what's really important after this pandemic we went through, you know, um, mental health is so important. And it's not something that was even considered 10 or 20 years ago. So I'm actually lucky to be here now and to kind of think of, about a holistic way to approach even just municipal politics. It sounds funny, but I, I really believe it's like a philosophy and we're, we're working towards that. And it's it's more value added in the end. I don't bring up the subject until my guest brings up the subject and you brought up the pandemic. I want to ask you, how did your community handle the pandemic? Because we are still in this pandemic as much as people may not may think that we're out of it. We people are still getting sick. People are still dying from COVID-19. How did your community, because I know you were elected at the end of the pandemic when things were sort of starting to open back up. But how did your community handle the pandemic, the global pandemic of COVID-19? I'm proud of my community because there's just a bunch of initiatives I can have in mind that there were proper responses or, or people coming together for it. Uh, my colleagues, counselors were doing door to door in some cases, um, you know, staying at a proper distance, but just the outreach. And it's kind of the essence of Redone and something that we're we always want to put forward um, the fact that people really come together and this there's this solidarity. So I could go on and on, but that's really the gist of it. I think our community reacted very well. Strategic Steps works with local municipalities, boards, and school divisions across Canada, providing guidance and expertise in governance, strategy, and sustainability. They work with clients to build on existing strengths, develop recommendations that are practical, sustainable, and strategic, and lead professional development sessions that drive organizational excellence and council and board member growth. From strategic planning to organizational and governance reviews to governance workshops and more, Strategic Steps has the tools, experience, and expertise to help your organization reach its goals and set itself up for future success. To book a consultation or learn more about Strategic Steps Incorporated, visit strategicsteps.ca today. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. And I'm just cautious of time here, and I want to turn mm -hmm. to our last segment, if that's okay with you. And this is totally. my this this is the fun segment. This is the fun segment because I get to learn a little bit more about your community. But uh, as a tourist, because we have listeners from across Canada, and for some reason, England and Ireland and Germany. Hi, everyone in Germany who's listening to this. Um, what would you 
say to a tourist coming to Montreal who are who who is coming to look for a tourist destination in the borough of Verdun, what would you say that they have to do as a hidden gem in your community that as a tourist they need to stop and see? We have a couple. So picking just one is roughly one, two, three, as many as you want. So if you would have asked me what's the top tourist, we have the coolest street in the world, according to Time Out magazine just this year. So yeah, Wellington I read that. Street. Okay, what is this street? Because I read a little bit and I was like, no, I need to ask that question. So what is this street that is the coolest street in uh, all of the world? So it's a pedestrianized street during the summer. And again, going back to like the pandemic reaction, you know, the fact that we could events outdoors and with proper spacing that's one of the reactions I was I was thinking of just to go back to the prior question uh, so we're re really um, glad to have this this artery in the middle of our borough um, that has all these cool shops and and it's that's it it's the coolest street in the world what's more to say about it <laughs> what's, the, what's the name of the street Wellington Street Wellington, Wellington. Street name yep um, so Chris, when you visit Montreal, we'll walk along that street for sure. But I think one of the, the hidden gems, in a way, for Dunners enjoy it very much, is the waterfront. So a walk around the boardfront, that's an absolute must. Um, we are blessed to have the nature around us in that way. And the water is just incredible to, to be able to walk around. Um, and there's there's a, um, a key, so there's an access to water. So if you're coming in the summer, you have to just jump in from that point. A lot of people go to the beach that's in Wellington, like in the heart of, of the Wellington um, kind of part of the city, like in that little yeah. neighborhood, the beach is very popular and it's, it's great, like please go see the beach. But I would say walk along and then over there, there's a place where the locals go and just jump in the water from um, Cape. I forgot the word in English, but that's kind of more of a uh, a, a point where the locals go and it's in it's close to the natatorium as well. Oh, okay. So my next question is: uh, after a long day, after a very long day, a stressful day at council, maybe just life has just gotten you down for a day. What's the one place in your community that you can go in your borough that you can go and decompress? You talked about running, but is there a park? Is there a business? Is there a restaurant that you can just go and just decompress after a long day? Indeed, running on Longo Waterfront is just amazing. With my dog, walking with my dog as well, that's just you know, she, she doesn't know about politics and it's just it's a way to, to decompress. And I have a really good coffee shop I like to bring uh, people to called Coma Rosa. And they do their own coffee. They have local products. And it's a, it's a Japanese kind of inspired place as well. So they have these, these really um, special snacks that you won't find. So that's one of the places I go to decompress. 
this month of shows has gotten me so much tourist action that I'm going to be touring a lot in 2023. And I'm going to be visiting Montreal and the borough of Verdun to see this beautiful Chinese restaurant, but also uh, this waterfront and just taking some of these sites. And I'm looking forward to potentially meeting you in person if you have time. Um, but let's okay. move on this question. Take as long as you want to ponder this question before you answer it if you want, but I'm pretty sure as an elected official, you have been asked this question numerous times. What makes the borough of Verdun such a unique place to live, to work, and to raise a family? Diversity. It's the fact that you have a lot of different types of people in a, in, a, in a same place, a lot of different sceneries, whether it's the waterfront, whether it's downtown on Wellington Street, whether it's um, Crawford Park, which is filled with these beautiful war, wartime houses, or Nuns Island, which has a mix of nature and more urban, more um, contemporary developments. The fact that we have all this different diversity in the same borough makes it fascinating and a bit difficult to manage at times because you always have to think of that place and this and where, how this will affect in this neighborhood, but also so enjoyable. Well, counselor, I wanna thank you so much for the last 40 minutes of conversation. Time has flown by and I wanna uh, thank you so much for sitting down, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about your borough, to talk about your city, to talk about yourself. This has been an honor and a pleasure. Likewise, thank you so much, Chris, for this experience. It was very, very fun to just discuss and talk about all these politics it made me think, and I, I really enjoyed it. No worries. So with that, I want to remind everyone, um, we will be back tomorrow with our interview with St. John's Newfoundland Mayor Danny Breen will be with us. So please tune in for that interview and put down your social media feed. Put down Twitter, put down Instagram, put down Facebook for 10 minutes a day and go have a conversation with somebody. It helps our society, it helps our democracy, and helps us be a better people at the end of the day. So with that, this has been the Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown for Municipal Month. Have yourself an excellent day. And remember, everyone, keep talking. Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca.